Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're calling in from today on the Freedom Series live stream session. I've got Babette Ben Susan from Mindshifts. And Babette's uh, a strategy and competitive expert, best-selling author, multiple best-selling author, seven books, I think you've written, which is amazing. Uh, life leadership and business coach, one of my amazing friends, and been coaching and working with me too over recent times. Babette, how are you doing today? Very well indeed, Barry. What about you? I'm amazing. I've just uh, finished actually having a photo shoot with my boys, uh, which was nice. That was amazing. Um, In and around Perth for the launch of my book and also just to get some lifestyle photos for uh, my family who aren't able to see us now because they're still in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. So many people, you know, in Victoria, it's all starting all over again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And can I say too, like, welcome to anyone who's watching this live from any of the platforms of streaming today. I've got Rafi from my team scrolling through all the different chat boxes. So if you've got any questions throughout the next half an hour, 45 minutes, please fill us with as many questions as you can. Myself, Babette, we're more than happy to answer them. Absolutely. And also uh, just hit the like button and let us know where you're calling in from today. So Babette, very interesting times. And I remember I spoke to you, uh, must have been late March, I think, just after I'd landed in Perth. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace. We had some uncertainty around things. And I spoke to you around competitive advantage, around the market, mm-hmm. around past recessions. And I remember you shared with me that basically the market was in a huge amount of uncertainty. And although the uncertain times were going to continue, I remember you said to me, well, like there'll be a point where there starts to become certainty in the uncertainty and we'll start to see the market shift again. Yep. How long have you been studying competitive analysis and advantage in companies? I've been working in this area for about 25, 26 years. So it was so interesting. I was on a webinar this morning uh, with the United States. So I had to do something very early in the morning. Yes. And it was interesting how people had asked me questions about competitive intelligence, competitive strategy, analysis, and all of this in business management. And I had said that I've done over 350 projects Mm. and the key takeaway that I've had over these 25 years and 350 projects Mm. is that, in fact, people think they know more than they do. Mm. So of all the projects we've done, we've always brought new insights to people's decision-making. So I guess the, the, the best thing I would talk about is my focus is on decision-making, on yes. making better decisions. And, and organisations, executives, while they try their best, they don't know everything. And it's what you just said, the uncertainty. Yeah. So, you know, we're beginning to know things are going to be uncertain. So we know that being a large ship like the QE2 It's going to take a long time for it to turn around. While if you've got more flexible, agile teams, like smaller speedboats, you can turn the boats around much faster. And I think this is where a lot of organisations are going to have to go. I don't know if this is right, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Warfare has changed, okay? So before you had big platoons coming on the beach at D-Day and, you know, (laughs) attacking Hacksaw Ridge or any of these famous places. Nowadays, they're small, sharp 
incursion type team. So the military has changed the way it does warfare. Mm. And I think what the pandemic has done has said organisations need to change the way they operate. Again, Mm. in sharp teams, in product development, in innovation, in... um, Work from home. Sorry? Work from home. Yeah, you know, different things. You know, you can work from home. Now, what does that mean, working from home? Well, it means that people are going to look for different things from their homes. So maybe they want bigger homes because now they're working from home. But if they want bigger homes, that means smaller apartments, office space in the next couple of years is going to go down because You don't have to go to an office space. So why should a company pay $1 million in office rent when 50% of the people are working from home? Yeah. And what will that mean to cities with traffic? Mm. Because people aren't travelling in their cars. Already here we're seeing insurance policies where if you work from home and you're not using your car anymore, guess what's happening to your car insurance policy? It's Mm. dropping. I think... There are ways of estimating what the future will look like. And if you create short, sharp, innovative little teams that can operate on particular issues, I think you're going to be far more flexible in attaining what you're after in in the organisation. You're going to be a lot freer, I think, too. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting insight and it's been fascinating. Like I've spoke to 30, 40, 50 people, maybe entrepreneurs, business owners the last few weeks. And uh, obviously the pandemic's come up, business growth's yeah. come up, you yeah. know, freedom in business has come up. And, you know, we, we are in a once in, in most likely lifetime changing of environment right now. And you know, I had a very interesting interview yesterday morning with Michelle Masters, who's one of my um, old NLP uh, and change work teachers from many, many years ago, phenomenal, phenomenal woman. And she, she was kind of sharing that right now, anything that, that people have been suppressing, fear, guilt, anger, things like that, like this environment is causing, I guess, a little bit of pressure in those things to come to the surface. Absolutely. It's causing us to look at those aspects of us that we've been hiding from or pushing under the surface and not wanting to deal with for so long. Yes, You are so right. I I would agree with that. And I think that it's evidenced also in the increase in mental illness Mm. and the increase in suicides. So we know that every mental ward at the moment in Australia is completely full. Mm. There is no room for one more person in any of the mental wards around Australia. You know, we have a dichotomy. Mm. So I agree with you, Barry. You've got these issues of guilt, not feeling good enough, how do I go, lost, uh, lack of purpose. All of these things are coming up on the one hand. But on the other hand, do you have the income? Do you have the job to pay for your kids and for the rent and for the food or the mortgage or whatever? And I think people that have this dichotomy of the money and the issues have got to think of a way. What I'm trying to say, I guess, is is there a way they can get a coach 
or someone, particularly a coach, that can help them through this period, mm. that can help them through this dichotomy of mm. belief in the self. It, it's it's such an interesting point. Like I noticed the the US-based market seems to be a lot more open to getting coached and more willing yeah. to invest in themselves, whereas the Australian-based marketplace there is a bit more of like there's obviously the tall poppy syndrome stuff here. There's a mentality around like, oh, I'm doing okay or I'll just keep soldiering on on my own or just keep trucking along on my own. And there's not the same desire or drive to necessarily go outside themselves for, for assistance or help. But I also see though too that that's part of the shift. Like I've been in business for 18 years now. And when I first got into business, I noticed that like you, I almost felt like you were competing against other businesses that weren't even in the same industry as you. It was like you couldn't even go to some guy, like if you're, if you're a cabinet maker, you couldn't even go to like a plumber and ask for advice to have a conversation with business because it was like there was almost this competitive eagerness, like how much you're earning and how many staff you got on. Yet in the last 18 years, I'm noticing more and more and more collaboration coming through to the point that even same industries, you know, even plumbers and plumbers for argument's sake are assisting one another because they realise they're stronger together. I think, I think this is part of the mass awakening that we're seeing as well is people being willing to realise that, that we're stronger in a community, in a collective consciousness than we are individually on our own. And I, I feel that, that we've gone from being in this separation, right, and we could go way down that path into to, to woo, into spirituality, into religion, mm-hmm. but I, I think we're moving out of separation into oneness, into wholeness. Yes, and, and that's a wonderful approach. I think, I think what happened many, many years ago is that there was an arrogance that if you weren't in my industry, what would you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's changed now, that there is so much similarities. A balance sheet or a profit and loss sheet, whether you're a plumber or in furniture or a cabinet maker, is still a balance sheet. Yeah. And I think people have come to realise that businesses, in essence, have the same fundamentals, whether yeah. you're a plumber, a carpenter, a mechanic, the same fundamentals. Absolutely. And I think by un- that understanding has enabled people to work together. Mm. And then I agree. I think that then there's also a, a belief, not everybody, but that there is a belief that working together we all win rather we than. We start talking about the, the energy. The leadership index, correct. And. I was just going to say before we dive into that, and we've got some questions coming in too. We'll get to those in a moment. If you are watching live, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we've got a bunch of gold to drop uh, in the next half an hour. So please put your questions and comments below. Keep them coming through and let us know where you're calling in from. Uh, so before we get in the industry, the energy industry uh, index, one thing that I will say too is like looking back over history, when we've had these situations, like look at 9 yeah. 11, like, like tragic, tragic, tragic experience, but look at how the people came together thereafter yep. like look at look at similar situations like that where there's been this this devastating event but then look at what comes through the other side of that yes look at the connections look at the yep. love look at the contribution and i think in many ways especially with what we've been going through right now there is this pressure there is this challenge in the environment it's, it's causing us to do what we should have been doing years ago which is to support one another to love one another to assist one another that, like there is no shortage of money in the world Yet for some reason, so many human beings have this scarce mindset that if that if I earn money, it means that you are not earning money. Like I'm taking away from you. And this is what we spoke about with Michelle yesterday morning as well. Like it's not a zero-sum game. 
Like mm. if I go and stand outside in the sun and soak up the rays, it doesn't mean that you're not getting a suntan. Yeah. Right? There's enough sun to go around for both of us, as there is wealth, as there is good feelings and love and connection to everything else. Yeah. Before we get the questions, let's just touch on the energy index because we've kind of ended up there a little bit. This is something I know that you specialize in as well. The Energy Leadership Index is a tool that was developed by a psychologist out of New York, and it comes from the premise that what you think creates what you feel, which will create your behavior. Mm. As coaches, if we can change what you think, we will therefore change how you feel and therefore how you behave. Absolutely. And what he said is, that there are seven levels of thinking or which creates the energy that brings things into your life. Of the seven levels, it's a scale. So at one end you've got catabolic energy, which is negative, draining, uh, resisting kind of energy. And then at the other end of the scale you've got anabolic energy, which is growth-oriented, healing, fueling. We have all seven levels. He said there were seven levels of energy. We have all seven levels in our life. The issue is how much we have of the negative catabolic energy versus how much we have of the anabolic fueling energy or healing energy in mm-hmm. our life. Mm-hmm. And that create and that's a result of our thinking. Yeah. So the world of business and the world around us is generally level two thinking. And level two thinking, the key perspective of level two thinking is I win, you lose. And if you look at anyone with a scarcity mindset, that is all about I win, you lose. I can't afford to do this because it'll take away from me. So I can't lose, it's I win, you lose. If you look at government contracts, if you look where you go for the lowest price bidder, often if you look at the law, the law, in fact, is about I win, you lose. It has nothing to do with justice. Nothing. No, no our whole system is being created around this seesaw. The interesting thing is, is that when we're operating from that place, we're manifesting and we're consciously and unconsciously creating the experience to validate that belief that we have. So if we have that belief ingrained in us that like I win and you lose or you win and I lose, nothing else can show up for us because even in a win-win situation, we will find a way to unconsciously sabotage that on the seesaw and to, to validate the beliefs that we have. Correct. When you think about it, Barry, bullies, dictators, politicians, all about I win, you lose. Yeah. So how do we transcend this? Because, like, my understanding too, and this is some work that we've been doing as well, which was instrumental, like just even knowing it, it was like things started to change. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Things started to change through having that insight. Straight away. Yeah, straight away. But I I understand too, though, that we can operate in a certain way, and I'm sure if you're watching, uh, let me know if you can relate to this. We can operate in a certain way when things are going good. But then also when stresses start to come in, when pressure starts to come in, when we're not eating properly, not sleeping properly, things start to happen. I I can imagine we can also resort back to these primitive past patterns as well. It's like how come I can lead this way at this time, but then when shit hits the fan, I'm I'm more of a narcissist. I'm more like a level two leader. I'm going to say something a bit controversial. 
You can read as many self-help books as you'd like, but until you talk to someone, until you have that interaction with someone, Mm. nothing changes because your blind spots, your biases, your assumptions, Mm. your limiting beliefs are not being challenged. Mm. You can't challenge yourself in a mirror. How do you challenge yourself in a mirror? You can't. Yeah. And and that's why it's so important. I'll, I'll never forget when I was doing my uh, coaching uh, certification, someone asked about the difference between therapy or counselling and coaching. And therapy is all about healing the past mm. so you can move forward, okay? So it's healing the hurt and issues you had as a child. Friends and family want you to change vis-a-vis their perspective of how you should be. And a coach says, screw all of that. Let me help you move forward to achieve the goals you want to achieve. And so you work towards what is getting in the way of that person achieving their goals. And it has to come down to the, the thinking, the limiting beliefs and you can look in as long as you want in the mirror. Yeah. You're yeah. not going to change. Yeah. Yeah. And, and leadership is something that I see a, a lot. And I don't go into leadership too much in my book per se. I do talk a lot about building great teams. And yes. one thing that I've found is such uh, a key to unlock that is your ability to be vulnerable as a leader, but not have to have all the answers to shop, whole, complete, and unfinished, you know, and all the time your team will follow you. And so if you're late to meetings, if you're not showing up, if you're not speaking your truth, if you're trying to act too imperfectly one way, it's only a matter of time, even hiring great staff that are maybe punctual before they stop to show up late to meetings because they follow you as the leader. So can you talk, just take us through like quickly, like a brief overview of like level two to, let's not worry about level one. Level two to kind of level seven, what's the, the belief so, level? Okay. So level two is I win, you lose. Yeah. Level three, the perspective there is I win and hopefully you win too. However, the key thought there is I still win first. Level four is all about you win. How can I be of service? And you'll often see this is uh, people who who work in charities, set up charities or volunteers. It's all about you win. How can I be? You know, how can I help you win? Yeah. Level five is we all win or no one wins. I keep thinking of Nelson Mandela and his platform when he ran for the presidency of South Africa. It was all and broke up apartheid. It was all about all of us working together to destroy apartheid or Mm. South Africa would lose. Mm. So you can take level five at a very big scale, and and yet you can take it in a small scale. Level six is we always win. Mm. Because if you take a long-term view of things rather than a short-term, you do win. Mm. So you may go through the fire of life, of life experiences, But, my God, it makes you resilient. It gives you courage. It gives you wisdom and insight that you never have received if you hadn't gone through that fire. So, ultimately, we all win. 
But level seven is my favourite. I love this, yes. <laughs> Winning and losing are illusions. Yes. They are rules that were created by to play the game of life that humans created. Winning mm. and losing doesn't exist. Mm. They're illusions. They're what you make of it. You know, people say, oh, yes, I get that, I get that. But until someone starts to challenge your thinking, so things like we've done, Barry, where I've said to you, okay, where's that statement? What level is that statement? You go, mm. oh, shit. That's a level two and you thought you are coming from level five. This is how we learn as humans. This is how we grow. This is what energy leadership, it's a fabulous tool. It can be done online, yeah. but you do need uh, an hour for a debrief. Yeah. And the wonderful thing about it is that after you've done the tool, once I use it in my coaching programs, that I do it at the beginning of the coaching program and I do it at the end. So people can actually see the impact mm. of their thinking, their change in thinking that has occurred over a short Absolutely. period of time. Absolutely. So. Good time to kind of go in with these questions. If you're watching live, uh, so grateful you're here. Please com uh, comment your questions below. We'll get them answered for you guys today. Uh, Heather from Melbourne, given the current environment, how does uncertainty change decision-making or questioning skills? Great, great question. Well, let's put it this way. If you're arrogant and you believe you know everything, you're not going to question anything, whether there's uncertainty or not. But if there is uncertainty, I think those that are more humble are going to be more open to asking questions. Mm -hmm. Those that know they don't know everything are willing to listen are going to ask questions. It's the same as, you know, you, your example, Barry, earlier of the CEO or the boss or the leader that comes in late. You know, if you think you know all the answers, then everybody else around you are going to play the same game. If you think you know everything in, during times of uncertainty, that you've got to be the leader and charge through and, well, you know, guess what? That's exactly what they're going to do. The same, and yeah. as opposed to, what do you think we should all do? What are your thoughts yeah. about this? And I think good leaders during times of uncertainty will ask more questions. Absolutely, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Leaders in uncertain times will ask more questions. So essentially, the answer is asking more questions. And I think that shouldn't just wait till uncertain times. I think always, and that's that comes back into the leadership we spoke about as well. It's like not having to have all the answers. Like you're not in business to have 20 employees but still be the one that makes all the decisions, has all the great ideas. And this is where many business owners get stuck because as they start to, to move out of like growth into scale phase, they need to start to relinquish the control that they have over the organisation. And it feels uncomfortable as shit to step back and, and not be involved day to day. And trust. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Trust. But if you've hired the right people, and you've put the right process systems in place. And like we teach our hiring process in the book as well, step-by-step, step, including the strips. If you hire the right people, you can step back and know they will actually make mistakes. That, that's okay. That's part of the process. But as you said, like winning and losing are relevant. The mistakes are part of the process. It's feedback more than anything. Correct. And I think you've just said it. I don't like the word mistakes and I don't like the word failures. I tend to use what did you learn? What are the learnings? Because you can't learn if you don't make mistakes. You can't learn. Your employees can't learn if you're breathing over their neck. 
controlling everything they do. It's like, you know. Well, they're not going to do anything. No. And we're not in the 21st century to have robots as staff members and certainly maybe in some parts of businesses and industries, but you're, you're hiring people for their talent. And, you know, I've certainly found in my experience to get a lot more out of people through allowing them to step up and yes. to make mistakes and to feel that they're trusted by you as well. And the thing is, you know, Barry, if you start looking at things as being a learning opportunity rather than mistakes, you know, yeah, I, I, I think far too many people are frightened of making mistakes, not only at work but in their life. Well, because it comes back to that that worthiness piece and the, and the, and the piece of belonging. But in a point in time where each and every one of us is so individual, yet we have such a desire to belong, even though we've been all created so individually, like it's just it's crazy the human conditioning and the system that we've been brought into, yet I also believe that the greatest experience of freedom and liberation is through breaking that system and realising that even being all of you, Babette, you still belong to your family. You still belong in the environment of your friends. But until you can be all of you, you can never attract a tribe anyway. That's true. I think there is one more element that I'd like to suggest, and that is trust. And I don't talk about trusting others. I'm talking about trusting yourself. I think a lot of people need to learn to trust themselves. Far too many people see when they say they're scared or what if I make a mistake or what if it's wrong, it shows that you're out there, you're courageous, you're on the edge, you know, and that's a wonderful reflection. But people don't see it. Their thinking is I'm scared or, you know, I, I don't trust myself to do this well. I think it's trust. It's, it's interesting how much time, energy and effort and even burden we carry with mm. concerns of what, are, what, we, what we believe other people think of us, yeah. you know, and to move to a position where that is not there anymore. It's not to say that you're arrogant or don't give a shit. It's not. It's just, just that you know that through showing up authentically as all of you, you're, you're actually empowering others to do the same. You're allowing others to have Absolutely. the same experience. And, and you know, if you're worried about what others think about you, that is, in fact, a hampering on your own growth. Yeah. It's okay to be concerned about what others, how others perceive you. Mm. That's normal. But I think to allow that to get in the way of your own growth, your own mental development, I think is tragic because you're now allowing other people to live your life and yeah. you're not, as you said, showing up 100% as you. You're not present to who you are. Yeah. And, you know, the wondrousness and the perfection that is in all of us. Yeah. A lot of people don't believe that, but they need to grow into it, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got a question here from Christy from Adelaide. Uh, if you're watching, please put your questions below in the comment where you're watching from. Uh, Rafi from my team will send them through and we'll get an answer for you guys. Uh, Christy from Adelaide, what's Babette's latest insights in hiring remote talent? There's such a good opportunity right now to hire fantastic I talent. I think it's interesting because remote talent, I think it gives you an opportunity to have a much wider audience. But I still think the process has to be the same. What is the skill gap you're looking for? What is the particular contributions you want? Yes, you'll interview people 
online by Zoom, you'll get a sense, you'll do your reference checking, you know, you'll do all of those kinds of things. That the pro it won't change. Yeah. I think what has to be clearer is what is it that you're looking for? Yeah. You know, oh well I want someone who can do my newsletters. Well hold on a second. What's the skill? What positioning do you want? Where's the proof that they've done this before? You know, talk to people, see their examples. I'm just doing an example on newsletters, you know, yeah. to hire someone from marketing. Yeah, and I think most important, though, too, is are they a cultural fit? Like, you know, it's all good to find a skill set for someone that can write copy, but are they a culture fit for the type of energy that you, in an organisation, you want to create? You know, for me, I think values alignment is is first and foremost number one key to then looking at the skill set. And, you know, a lot of people said that you can't create culture online. I think that's bullshit. You know, we've got... Sorry? You can't create culture through, like, you know, virtual teams. And I think it's bullshit. Like, at the Game Change, we've been virtual now for six years, and our culture's amazing. It's innovative. Um, It's entrepreneurship. I hear you. But then you've hired people that have that mindset that's so right. I don't know if I'd call it culture though Barry I'd call it mindset okay tell me more okay so I think often when we look at cultures we look at oh well that's an Asian culture or that's a, a Russian culture and I think globally now we can say well no that's an entrepreneur mindset mm. so I would because you could get an entrepreneur out of Russia, the Philippines, or Indonesia, um, or Africa. It makes absolutely no difference. Their cultures are different, absolutely. But if their mindsets are the same, you got it. Well, I guess you're creating your own culture through that alignment of the entrepreneurial mindset, right? Bingo. And you create, That's you create, why the leaders always create cultures. Yeah. Leaders are the ones that create the culture. The owners of the organisation, the drivers of the organisations are the ones that create the culture. Yeah, and, and I feel that that's, that's a key to being a creative, a profitable business that can work without you Absolutely. because if we could emulate the culture like that we have as visionaries, as entrepreneurs within the organisation, so even if I'm not there, the organisation still looks and acts and breathes and poops and does everything the same as if it was there because the culture emulates and represents that in which, you know, I guess we gave birth to. Which is the mindset. 100%. Like how many people right now uh, probably watching this have had or are having experiences where their clients just want to work with them? No, the bet, I just want to work with you. It's like, no, no, but I've got this amazing coach over here. No, no, I just want to work with you. I've heard that so many times. That's a culture thing. That's a values thing. That, that, that's the way that you set the business up. You've trained your, your client to just want you. Now, although the bet you might be amazing at what you do, it doesn't mean that you can't find someone else equally as amazing as you, right, in a slightly different skill set. Yes, I agree. I agree 100%. And, and it, it, it all, for me, it comes down to the mindset. Yeah. And I think the mindset of the leader, and then it comes back to what you said earlier about, you know, if you're late for a meeting, uh, that's the wrong mindset. If you're... Um, not acknowledging people's endeavours, it's the wrong mindset yeah. to, to what you want to create. And, and this is why I think I prefer the word mindset to from a leader's perspective 
And then I think what you do create then is the culture, but it's the values that yeah. you've created as a result of your mindset as the leader, as the entrepreneur. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Comment here too, uh, vulnerability through transformational conversations. Yes, couldn't agree more. Um, but, but if there's anyone watching this right now that are feeling they'd like to maybe connect with you, reach out or find out more about what you do, like I know that you do a bunch of things, the, the uh, Leadership Energy Index is just one aspect of what you offer. Where's the best place for them to find you? Absolutely, on, the, on my website, and that's MindShifts, M-I-N-D-S-H-I-F-T-S dot com dot A-U. And there they can connect with me. They can see what I do and the programs and all the stuff I, I do. Outstanding. <laughs> and we'll put a link below as well. Thank um, you. Definitely reach out if you've got more questions around the amazing work that Babette does or, or want to have a chat uh, offline, take it further. And equally too, uh, we'll put a link below. The pre-release of the book has launched uh, as well, which is freaking amazing. The feedback's been overwhelming to say the least. Um, I'm just so excited to help more business owners to succeed and, you know, create amazing businesses. I think that they're the future of the world. Level uh, five. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for everyone who's tuned in today, either live or in the replay. Uh, keep the questions and comments coming and uh, looking forward to seeing the next one. But, Beth, thank you so much for your Thanks time. Thanks, Barry. Thank you for this. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Game Changers podcast. Uh, there's a couple of things I'd love you to do to help us and help yourself to spread the message further. Uh, make sure that you like the Game Changers on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, please subscribe by clicking the link below to ensure that you keep up to date with the weekly episodes we uh, share here at the Game Changers podcast with amazing entrepreneurs and business owners around the world. And of course, like if you're in a position where you may be overwhelmed with business or looking for a way to grow faster and more effectively, and you realize that the key to success is being surrounded by amazing people who have been there and done that before, I'd like to invite you to apply to have a game plan session one-on-one -on -one with one of my team here at The Game Changers. There's no cost if you get through. Uh, all that we ask is that you are doing a minimum of $250,000 per year to really be able to utilize the strategies and tactics and the mindset shifts that we share with you, uh, that you're coachable, that you're a decent person and you're, you know, you're willing to take on board some advice. If not, that's totally cool. Uh, but I know for me, I wouldn't be where I'm right now without the support of so many mentors and coaches and resources along the way. And I'd like to pay that forwards and give back to you the opportunity to work with uh, us one-on-one -on -one for free to put together a customized game plan. And the reason we're doing this is a couple of things. Number one is that sometimes it's just the smallest thing that can make the biggest difference. And uh, I think that entrepreneurs and business owners have the opportunity to change the world. And if we can maybe help you to, to make the smallest shift to change your life and your world, uh, you're changing ours in return. The second thing is that we are always looking for amazing clients to work with and to welcome into and invite into the Game Changers community. And so if you then the call, you do feel that there's a huge amount of value there, uh, that we fit, feel that there's a great values fit there, we can have a conversation about working together. But uh, this game plan call, there's absolutely no obligations to work with whatsoever. Allow us to help you with uh, the years and years and years of, of knowledge that we have in growing and scaling great companies. And uh, I think that uh, business owners are the future of the world. If there's a way that we can help you to create a better business, more profit, more fulfillment, more fun, I would love the opportunity to do that now. So click the link below, book your game plan session. Make sure you follow us on social and start to date with the latest episodes of the Game Changers podcast. My name's Barry William McGinnity. Thank you so much for your support and look forward to seeing you next one. Bye for now.